Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Storytelling is a collaborative art. A pas de deux, I like to call it, which is a French term, makes me sound fancy. Listen, I don't even know if I pronounced that correctly, but that means a dance for two. And I always say this because no matter what situation or in what capacity you are using storytelling, it is a dance for two. It is a collaborative art. When I say that, I mean if I'm telling a story on stage, the audience is just as important as me on stage, the storyteller, or the story listeners are just as important as the storyteller. Think about a movie, right? Or a comedy show. The audience has to be a part of it, ebbing and flowing back and forth. Now, when you're creating social media content and you're using storytelling on YouTube or on TikTok or anywhere where you're trying to connect with your audience, what they respond to, what engages their emotions and their minds so that they listen to what you have to say, is uh is that important? Yeah, it's imperative, right? You have to have that and you have to adjust and adapt your storytelling if it's not syncing up in a proper dance for two. Now, where this also exists is if you're using storytelling to help your clients. In fact, any way you serve your clients is a journey, is a story, so you could look at it like that. But for me and people like me, when I am actually helping businesses and brands create stories, it is still a collaborative art. And that is exactly what I talked to about with my guest on today's show. What's up, storytellers? Welcome back to the Storytelling Lab. This is episode 134, and today my guest is Elena Rue. Elena Rue, who happens to live very close to me in the Triangle area of North Carolina. That's Raleigh, Durham, and Chapel Hill for you non-local folks. Uh, And she lives in Hillsboro, which is very close, 15, 20 minutes away from me here in Durham. And here's the thing. I think I knew everyone around here, at least in my field, Uh, and in fact, I do not, but that's what's exciting, is even here in my medium-sized city, there are still expert storytellers living among us that I didn't even know about, and that's what's so exciting. There's a very rich culture in storytelling here in Durham. I feel very... uh, very proud of that and also very grateful to be in that community. Now, Elena is a documentary filmmaker and a, a storytelling expert. And with her co-founder, Catherine Orr, they created 
StoryMind Media. Now, what StoryMind focuses on, very simply, although it's not a simple task, is change, is social change, systemic change even. These are big tasks that they are trying to achieve. And anytime you are working with storytelling, it is about transformation. Even if it's a TikTok video that I make, I am trying to leave that audience member, that viewer, in a different position than when they arrived. That's what we should all seek to do as storytellers. You need to transform your audience, even if just in a, a minute, you know, marginal way. Now, when you're trying to shift systemic change in society, how many S's can I put in that sentence? That's wait, here's another one, that's significant, right? And it takes a significant, this is getting ridiculous, a significant amount of storytelling. It's not even really about that. It's about, the, I can't stop now. It's about the strategic approach of storytelling. And Elena and Catherine at Story My Media do this very well. And we talk about this on the show. Literally, they collaborate with their clients throughout the whole process. And I'll say that often this in, in the industry, this might be uh, advised against. Uh, you're the guide, right? You tell them what they need to do and they listen. But uh, their philosophy is that the more they can understand the company and what makes them them or the, or the organization, if it's a nonprofit, and what their values are and who their their clients and communities and customers are, the more they can understand uh, what they stand for, what they're trying to achieve, what they're made up of or who they're made up of, then the better StoryMind Media can do their job. So they really lean into this collaborative art. Now, and that's easier said than done because these clients are not professional storytellers, right? So this episode really focuses on that whole process. And if you're an organization or a brand that's thought about video production, even if you're not trying to really uh, change society and the way we view something, you will benefit so much from hearing this episode and how and the collaborative approach that Elena and StoryMind Media take. It's so valuable to have this peek into the process for you to understand how you can replicate that process for yourself. Now, this is for your own content, remember, or if you're working with a client. So here is my conversation with Elena Rue, and I hope that you love it. Welcome to the Storytelling Lab, where we break down how to get to the heart of your story and the hearts of your audience to leave the greatest impact possible. And now here's your host, award-winning filmmaker and writer, Rain Bennett. What's up, my beautiful people? Welcome to another episode of the Storytelling Lab, where we help you break down the art and science of storytelling. My name is Rain Bennett. I am your host, and my job is to help you deepen your connections, increase your sales, and serve your audiences better. Every Tuesday morning, I send out a quick storytelling tip to my newsletter subscribers. I show you techniques I've learned along my journey and used in my own stories, as well as those of my clients. But most importantly, I leave you with tangible takeaways that you can apply to your brand storytelling immediately. Oh, well, actually, more importantly than that, it's free. If this would help you, sign up for the newsletter at rainbennett.com slash weekly storytelling tips. Elena, welcome to the show. Welcome to the Storytelling Lab. How's your day going? It's good. Thanks so much for having me. 
Yeah, uh, I'm excited to have this chat. You know, it's part of my job to to know storytellers all around the world, all around the country, and sometimes right even in my backyard. So, I'm um, first of all, you're you're in Hillsborough, so very close to Durham. Uh, went to went to UNC, so we're kind of in each other's backyard. And I was really shocked to like we know like so many of the same people, how we had never met before, or at least like bumped elbows at the same, you know, at full frame film festival or something, Mm -hmm. you know, over the years. Um, but you know, I think it says a lot to our community here of, of, of filmmakers. So it's nice to officially meet you. And now we have, we have this connection and we know we're just a, a stone's throw away. Exactly. Um, I'm interested in, you know, I know your background. Did you go to the J school at, at UNC I did for grad school. for grad school? What'd Mm -hmm. you, what'd you study in undergrad? I did anthropology and photography. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Okay, so I can see a little bit of connection there. Yeah, I mean, it was a liberal arts school, so there weren't a lot of options. And so I was doing still photography at the time, and I was, but I was also interested in people's lives and cultures and stories. And so I was drawn to anthropology, and then um, that was like the closest thing I could find. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I actually I didn't know that part, but now I see I see how those two roads could could connect. Um, it's not uh, unique that. I talked to someone on the show or otherwise about storytelling that come from a journalistic background, right? Mm It, it makes sense. Uh, what I'm interested in asking you first is what is different about your approach from maybe a typical journalist in terms of storytelling? This could be like your perspective that was shaped back then or how you approach things now, but is, you know, have you veered off the path of what you've learned? Do you have
will cloud their judgment or things like that. But we, we feel like, you know, how, how can you not do a story where you, where you yeah. involve them in, because they are the experts in their own stories. True. Um, this makes me think of another question for you as the storyteller. Do you feel like, I think that's a fair, that w what you just said, like they're too close to the story. I think it certainly can cloud judgment or, mm -hmm. you know, it, it can be a problem, but I don't think that means we eliminate it. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm on the same page. Do you find, or do you believe that you as the storyteller could kind of pick up on those things where it's like, well, that may or may not be truth or, it's a piece of the story and then you get another perspective mm -hmm. uh, like I'm not doing a good job of formulating this question, but I think that if you know what you're doing, my thought is, or my assumption is that you would be able to tell um, if, if, if that perspective is um, clouded, that mm -hmm. makes sense. Are you following yeah. me? Okay, cool. Yeah. I mean, I think it's all kind of a conversation and, and sort of everybody brings their own expertise. So, yeah. you know, um, we, we bring expertise as storytellers, they bring expertise as community members or, you know, um, people who are involved in a certain topic or if it's their personal story and sort of working together to figure out, you know, um, what's the best way to shape this for the audience. And I, mm -hmm. I think both perspectives are valuable and just sort of collaborating and being transparent, um, mm -hmm. you know, kind of helps get you there. Absolutely. That that's key. Um, I kind of wanted to, you know, since you've been talking about not just touch, touch and go into someone's story, but really like, I feel like you, you guys at story mind kind of dive a little bit deeper into them. And you've told me now that you've worked with them in this kind of collaborative process. Mm -hmm. Can we, can we just do like an overview of what the process is and what I'm really interested in first is kind of, is really like the first step uh, when you're, you know, you've met a potential client, you're sitting down or you decided you wanted to work together. Like how do you, I mean, mine for you know that story within their their overall story like what is the first video like strategy meeting look like when you're mm -hmm. like blanks you know clean sheet blank slate where do you go from there mm -hmm. um yeah so we have uh, an initial meeting with every client even if we've worked with clients lots before they they know our process and we're very you know we we, we adapt if we need to based on the story, but, but we like to have um, certain touch points throughout. Mm -hmm. And so the first story that we have is we call it a story design session. And it's usually like two hours. And what we do is I like to think is like, we're just like throwing everything at the wall and seeing so, what sticks. Yeah. So we often have them say like, what are all the possible stories that we could tell? You know, what are, what is like an ever, we try to get, we also have like a core team of people um, that we have, that we work with, you know, so we have, you know, either, you know, people on the, you know, with the organization and then also when possible people from the community that they're working with or right. part of the, um, or sometimes like someone who's part of the target audience to get their perspective throughout. Um, and so we get all those people together and say, okay, what are all the possible things? And we write them down and, and then we make them narrow them down. So I like to think of it as like a funnel. So we start with like all this stuff here and then we ask more questions and more questions and more questions and sort of narrow it down. Um, and 
and we don't throw away the other things that came up on that list because then we say, okay, well, if you want to do a video in six months, like maybe we could do this one and, you know, maybe next year you could do one about this. And so we mm -hmm. keep that list, but, but we sort of ask them to narrow it down because as you know, um, you know, doing, doing this work that like often everyone wants to do, put everything that they do, particularly if it's an organization, all their programs and all the things that they do in the video. And, you know, as you know, that like <laughs> that, that doesn't work. And so that process, yeah. it's, it's sort of a, it's a narrowing down of what we want to focus on, but it's also a teaching moment for them to realize, oh, you can't put all that in there. And, you know, this is, this is what's important right now for us to focus on. The teaching moment is such a great point. Like I had a mentor years ago that uh, checked me a little bit because uh, I think I just maybe made an assumption about what they would know or what they wouldn't know. And he, he said it very uh, plainly, like, well, you, you have to educate me on the process. I don't know what you do or what's going on behind the scenes. And I was like, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, obviously. Yep. So from that moment on, it was like, yeah, educating your clients is a, is a big part of it. So mm -hmm. let's stay there for a minute because I think this is really important for people who might be the client listening to this and also people who might be the the storyteller or mm -hmm. the or the uh, video company let's start with what are you've already touched on some with like too many stories in one mm -hmm. what are some of the biggest uh misconceptions that people client in this in this situation i think uh misconceptions they have about video storytelling I know a lot of the listeners to the show are public speakers or they want to become public speakers, but the problem that many experienced and aspiring professional speakers face is that they simply don't have the time to grow their business the way they would like. And look, I get it. I've been there. Maybe you're there right now. That's why I started using the team at Virtual Campfires to provide me with leads to events and conferences that are a good fit for my message. So they send me all the relevant details I need to immediately reach out and start a conversation with those decision makers. And they've worked with hundreds of speakers to provide tens of thousands of event leads, and it's easy to see why. Outsourcing this time-consuming step has saved me hours and hours of scanning Google and lets me go faster towards my goal of more events, more audiences, and more impact. All you need to do is email leads at virtualcampfires.com to see how their lead subscription business can help you the same way it's helped me. Again, that's leads at virtualcampfires.com. Let them help you tell more great stories and get paid for it. What are some of the biggest uh, misconceptions that people client in this in this situation? I think uh, misconceptions they have about video storytelling. I mean, this is sort of a basic thing, but I think people forget that you really need to have your audience in mind um, when you're when you're creating a story because sometimes, you know, you you need to think about okay, who is who is your who do you most want to watch this? Yes. And think about them. But then there are also like, but then who's the second group of people who are like, you know, the, the people who, you know, it would, they're not your main audience, but you also, they're also going to get something from it. And, yeah. and I think um, not keeping that in mind, you know, if like, for instance, right now we're doing a lot of stories for doctors uh, with the New England Journal of Medicine. And with, with that in mind, we, we can't really have a lot of our videos be super duper basic because yeah. they're going to tune out, you know, they, yeah. they have a level of understanding already. So one of the things we ask is like, okay, what are the, what are, what's the level of understanding that your audience has or like, where, mm -hmm. why are they coming to this? Where, what, what perspective do they have? And so that, that really helps us figure out, you know, the tone and the approach and like, what's, 
you know, what that's also like a narrowing down of like, okay, this isn't going to be basic. This isn't going to be super complicated. Maybe this isn't going to be in the middle. And that sort of gives us a framework for another sort of layer of understanding of, of the direction to go for the video. You, you kind of inadvertently or indirectly brought up uh, another thing I'd like to touch on. You know, you're working a lot with doctors now mm -hmm. and I've had experience with, you know, in healthcare industry or the medical industry uh, as well as, and I think this is, you know, lawyers might be the same way. Scientists might be the same way. Like they're th these typical industries where people are cards to the chest, tight lip, you know, mm -hmm. very jargony, et cetera. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you're rolling your eyes so you get it. Um, so I'm really interested in like when you have a client like that, and, they, and listen, they also have good reasons, especially doctors, of why to like not just be like a complete open book. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm not naive to that. But when the storytelling approach, that's not necessarily the best way uh, to, to, to move forward without mm -hmm. any kind of depth. How do you handle that? Like, how do you get them to open up? How do you guide someone like that who's used to being very, I don't know if stoic is the right word, but just, you know, very straightforward, just the facts, if you will. Mm hmm. Yeah, we have a couple strategies. It kind of depends on the person. Um, you know, some people, um, you know, often come in and say, well, I'm media trained. And we think, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and they, they think that's the positive. And we don't necessarily think that in, in, in our case, because that means they're deliver delivering sound bites, right? Yeah. So um, we almost never... Um, like give questions ahead of time yeah. because then, you know, people practice them or, or they, they have like, okay, this is the soundbite that I'm going to use. And so I think sort of like allowing them to answer in, in the jargony way, because maybe there's, you know, something that that's useful there too, but also asking things in a different way or asking um, like feeling questions. Like if they tell you about something, it's like, okay, well, how did that feel for you? And like, you know, and, and just sort of like, breaking the mold a little bit and asking things in an unexpected way kind of forces them to break off of script and and sort of interact you know um in a more casual way mm -hmm. that's a really good one how did that make you feel it forces them to address their emotions. right mm -hmm. <laughs> right um i'm not sure if i want yeah i'm gonna go here now um, cause we're still talking about the process. I mm -hmm. just kind of deviated with the, with the doctors a little bit, but, um, um, let's talk about money. Um, money often comes up. I, uh, you know, in my experience as uh, a hurdle, an obstacle, mm -hmm. things to work through. There's also misconceptions there. Some people are just like, I can't afford video production. Mm -hmm. Um, how do you approach that? If you face this and you may not, um, be awesome if, if you didn't um when someone's like uh, that's always like a, res uh, a point of resistance where it's like we we don't have uh um the money to do that do, mm -hmm. do you all have experience with like helping them raise the money to do it or creative approaches to it or how do you get them to justify it or, or understand it's a return on investment any of that um any of those approaches that kind of get over that issue of like Hey, this sounds great. I love what you're thinking, but I ah, can't do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would say the main thing that we've done is try to um, adjust our scope, but without um, sacrificing the integrity of the story. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we'll have a story 
you know, the, the story design session. And in that session, we'll really find out, you know, what is the, what is the most important thing that we need to communicate? Like whose story needs to be told the, the, the real sort of core part of, of um, what they want to do. And then there's the like deluxe premium way to do that. And there's the like middle of the road and then there's yeah. the budget way to do it. And, and, but if you still have that core story in mind, it's going to, it's going to, we're going to try to get there no matter what way we do it, but it could be like, Oh, you don't, you know, we don't have the money to, to hire like a big crew and, you know, film for three days. Let's maybe partner with a photographer and have them take pictures. And then we do audio and we do like a, a, you know, really compelling mm. audio, audio story, like audio visual story or audio photo story. Yeah. Um, you know, just, or you don't have the time to interview all these people. Okay, we're going to have it from one perspective, um, and then and we sort of adjust um, the scope to to tell it in that way. So that's the way that we usually um, try to do that. Is we try to meet the client where they are and and still make it work regardless of the budget. I think that's a another good point of or a point of education of, for the clients is is what you just said is understanding that there are different, different approaches, mm -hmm. you know, um, that can still, as long as you, like you said, maintain the integrity of the story. Cause mm -hmm. I think often people, you know, just think it's that, or especially if you send a quote and it's like, here's what we were thinking. They're like, Oh, we can't do it. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, there are several different creative ways, uh, to achieve that. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, it, but if this is an idea that we think will work, mm -hmm for our audience that we've identified and, and, and achieved the objective that the video has, you know, we can look creatively and collaboratively mm -hmm. at how to, to achieve that with, with a budgetary uh, restriction, right? Mm -hmm. Versus like, oh, that sounds perfect and it'll probably do just what we needed to do, but we, we don't have, we don't have the money. Yeah. Yeah. One, one tip for storytellers out there that we, that we learned actually from a, um, a dear friend of ours who is like a business consultant, business coach, executive mm -hmm. coach. And we almost never send a number by itself. Well, we never send a number by itself. And we almost never send a proposal without walking it through, walking them through how it works. Because in that conversation, we can address those things live so that like they don't just see a number and, and make up their mind. It's sort of right. like, let's, let's talk through this and let's let's see, okay, this, this is out of scope. Like, well, what are some other options? And that, I feel like that's a much more... Um, realistic way of going through it and help like another teaching moment sort of helps them understand what, what part of the process costs more money and where could we, you know, adapt. Yeah. It's a tricky one, especially for people earlier in their career. Um, because you, I don't, you don't want to get caught in that thing where you're, you know, the client's like, how much does it cost? And you're mm -hmm. like, well, what's your budget? <laughs> it's yep. like, so I think, uh, I think, uh, yeah, having that, you know, still it's still being collaborative, right? You're walking mm -hmm. them through this as well. So it's everything that we've talked about so far, like you're hand in hand, like side by side with them, guiding them. Mm -hmm. And then you said in terms of the story, they guide you. And so mm -hmm. this really is this dance. It's back and forth. I'm loving, kind of, I'm like seeing it visually. So I think that's really important mm -hmm. when you're trying to, hey, sometimes, I mean, stories are emotional, right? You're digging deep into people's mm -hmm. uh, hearts sometimes. So that's mm -hmm. really important to make them feel like it's a partnership yeah, and not like the journalistic approach, which again, no, no shade to, mm -hmm. to journalists, but yeah, I think that's really important. Mm -hmm. I had mentioned something in, in my last um, question 
about the objective of, of the video, right? We talked mm -hmm. about identifying like, who are you speaking to? Who do you want to watch this? Even the secondary audience, who might that be? Mm -hmm. What are the typical uh, goals or objectives of your videos? Like, is it social media based? Is it, you know, long form documentaries? Is it, you know, how, and I'm sure it's, you know, there's a variety, but what mm -hmm. are the typical um, types of videos that you create for clients? Yeah. So we tend to do stories that are um, like kind of, uh, more deep dives, I would say. Mm -hmm. So sometimes we'll have, we'll work with clients who have a team of like a video team in house, but then mm -hmm. they want to do a big project, like a 10th anniversary project, or they want to do something big yeah. where you, you dig in or, um, you know, a particular like issue or topic um, video. And we kind of come in and, and we have long timelines that we'll spend at least six months, if not more working on particular projects, just because we, we have this set process and we're also dealing with real people and, you know, we can't just say, okay, we're going to come film with you tomorrow. It's like, maybe they can't film for, you know, a couple of weeks or whatever. So we have, mm -hmm. we have, um, you know, lengthy timelines. So it allows us to really dive in deep. Um, we spend a lot of time, um, you know, before we ever even pick up a camera or talk to people just like really researching things. And so, so I would say they're deeper dive projects. Um, a lot of them end up, you know, online, um, or they're shown at galas and things like that. So we mostly do sort of, um, I would say like two to 15 minute videos. Um, and, and I also should say like, we'll maybe have, we do tends to be like video packages. So there's maybe like a core video, but then there are like, you know, several versions of them, or there's mm -hmm. like a one minute version, but then there's like the five minute, like deeper version. So we, depending on, you know, how they want to use it via social media, like it could be that there's a lot of social quick stuff, but it's based, it's taken from like a, a meteor, chunkier video. And are you all, uh, this is just kind of a film from a filmmaker perspective question. Mm -hmm. Are you all shooting and editing everything or do you use a, another team or how, how hands-on are you there? Good question. Yeah. So we, um, we've been doing this work for 11 years and, um, I, I want to say for the first like seven, we were doing everything ourselves. And then we kind of knew we'd get to the point where it was just too much to, to juggle sure. it all. And so, um, I would say like just before the pandemic hit, we started, you know, hiring particularly DPs and mm -hmm. because of the pandemic, we, um, we now have started usually hiring DPs in the location where we're filming as opposed to flying, you know, with, you know, totally. going with, yeah. Um, so that was like a strategy that really got us through the pandemic is like, okay, who's someone mm -hmm. local who doesn't have to get on a plane to film this or they can film outside and mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. But um, so, yeah, so right now we, it's um, myself and Catherine and we have a assistant editor and producer that we work with in-house and then we work with, um, cinematographers um and pas and, and crew members you know in, in a variety variety of different places you know this also brings up another question like uh for this type of job or company uh the pandemic probably you know uh had a hit unless you made some pivots like how did you all navigate that did you have to make any major changes to your business model or your approach not really to our business model, but the, the filming definitely changed. Mm -hmm. um, so the, for the first several months, we um, we did like Zoom interviews instead mm -hmm. of um, in-person interviews. But then 
um, we for B-roll, we would often hire someone at the very beginning to like film outside from a long way away with a long lens kind of. Mm -hmm. um, and like, I remember we were doing a story, I was supposed to go and film in person in like March, 2020. And, um, right. and so that, that one, we paused it for a couple of months, but then we decided to, to move forward and it was for the National Audubon Society. So it, it, it was okay. helpful in that it was outdoor based anyway. Yeah. So we did our zoo, our interviews via zoom. Um, but then, you know, all the, all the B-roll happened outdoors, um, from a distance and then, but it did open up this door for us that like, we, um, if we don't want to go in person, we'll hire a crew and then I'll zoom myself or, or my partner, Catherine will zoom in and, and ask the questions oh, yeah. um, via a laptop or iPad or teleprompter or something like that. And that's really opened up the possibility of including more voices without the budget. Um, and it's also helpful for us as we both have young kids, so we're not having to yeah. travel all the time. So that's that's the biggest difference, I would say, in our process, that it just has like opened up a door for more possibilities for filming. So do the Zoom interviews, and you're still using them in the final product? Yeah, that's at the beginning we did like, yeah, it was just like the zoom recording, but yeah. now we'll hire a local crew. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And we zoom in. Yeah. But during the pandemic, like, were you able to still intercut that and didn't really like compromise the quality too much? Yeah. Or it just, yeah. yeah awesome. I mean, it, it, it sort of had its own feel feel. Um, I'll, I will say though, that we actually do still use zoom interviews for, you know, um, like not foundational interviews for the, for right. the story, but as like voices coming in. Yeah. And what we've learned that we really like about those is that they're, they're much more, I mean, it's like you and me, it's like a, it's a, it's a much more candid conversation. There's That's less of point. the like performative, there's a camera in my face, mm -hmm. people are used to it. So they have a different feel and sometimes it's more intimate um, than a, than a formal interview, which, we didn't expect, but, um, so we do actually still use them. Um, for Interesting. That. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's good to know. Um, and then with the kind of satellite crew, when you're, um, here local, mm -hmm. do you, what's more typical? Do you like, are you on a laptop, like on a zoom conducting it? Or you admit also mentioned like using a teleprompter? Um, like if you're doing it now and you have a shoot in San Diego uh -huh. and you're staying here, yeah. I just want to learn a little bit more. This mm -hmm. is kind of a selfish question uh -huh. um, about like, are you uh, the DPs there? They're local. Mm -hmm. Any any lighting people, audio people, and are you there on a laptop screen? You had also mentioned a teleprompter. Like, what's the typical approach there? Yep, it kind of depends on two things. One, um, the DP's preference, and two, uh, the style of the story. So, okay. for several of the ones that we did in mid-pandemic we were doing like um, centered looking at the camera interviews. Mm -hmm. And so for those, it was helpful um, to have, I mean, some, some DPs will like um, connect the camera to the zoom and, you know, and so what I'm seeing through my zoom screen is through their camera lens, yes. um, which was fun. Um, yeah. And so for those, it was helpful. I think they would have like an iPhone or iPad, like right above the lens. But if, like I just did one the other week where I was just on a, a laptop where I would have been sitting if I were there in person. Mm -hmm. And it was just, it just looked just like, um, you know, awesome. side interview. So, um, and it wasn't connected to anything. And that was the preference of the DP. He was like, I just want to do lo-fi just like laptop and, and it works yeah. great. 
That's awesome. Good to know. Um, okay, folks, those couple of questions were for me. Uh, um, so you and your partner, co-founder, Catherine, Mm -hmm. is her name, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, the ethos of the company is very clear, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you're front and center with it. Talk to me a little bit about that. Like, what is your mission in terms of, like, how you want to use video storytelling and documentary filmmaking? What are you trying to achieve in in this world? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I would say um, it's sort of evolved um, based on the the kinds of clients that we've gotten. So, uh, you know, we've done a lot of, we do a lot of, like, climate change stuff, a lot of health stuff like health science, mm-hmm. which is not my background at all. I was, right. I came more from the story side, mm-hmm. but that's something that I really have learned from clients is like, they have a particular thing that they want to communicate about a particular topic, or they want to educate people about something. And so what we love to do is come and like, learn what that is and then find a way to pair that with story. And what I think is so magical about story is that it engages like, uh, you know, the right side of your brain and then the, the stuff that you're learning is left side of your brain. And mm-hmm. when those two come together, you, it like makes all these connections, you learn things better, you, it's really memorable. And so we love to do both, you know, we, we, I think stories on their own are incredible, but I think I love stories and information together. And so um, the way that we do that the two main ways, ways that we would do it, I would say, are like we try to find a specific anecdote or a specific story that like grounds whatever topic you're talking about in, in a personal story or a specific story. Um, the other way that we do that is like maybe we're talking about a topic or we're learning about something like having the arc of of the topic be a journey or a story so that you're, you're learning like the history of something. So like, for instance, we did a story about migraine, um, migraine attacks. And, um, you know, one way to do that is like, we can, you know, get a person's specific story about their migraine, but also it's interesting to find out like, what is the history of migraine attacks? It was, there's this whole gendered history of how women were thought to be neurotic and, you know, couldn't handle daily life. And it's actually, you know, and so like, the evolution of how we understand migraine is like steeped in, you know, this sort mm-hmm. of patriarchal culture. And anyway, so just like what what is the like the, the larger story and then yeah. what are the specific stories? Those are the two things that we love to do. Clearly, it's an ind- indication of, of witchcraft. Right. I think that's what exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that's must, must be tooling with the dark arts or something. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you have this, uh, I don't know if this is the line verbatim, but but it is the general gen, general feel or goal, it seems, of, of, of using stories to spark social change. That mm-hmm. may be exactly what you say, but I know that's the gist of it. Mm-hmm. Um, what types of stories in your experience motivate people to, to take change? We know, we all know that's that's an incredibly hard thing to do, right? To inspire people mm-hmm. to actually like take an action. Um, you know, move them emotionally, not, not as hard, right. But to make them actually like stand up and go, or, you know, even to click a link, right. It's Mm -hmm. very hard to do. Is there a type of story or a theme or a certain emotion maybe tied to it that you've noticed that like this generally works in terms of like getting someone like moving them to take an action? Yeah. Um, I think, um, 
getting people to see themselves in stories is really important. So, you know, like I said, like the anecdotes, like if you, if you're just sort of giving like a general overview of, of like an experience or something, you know, you get a sense of what it is, but you don't get like the sense of what it was like to sit in that moment and experience that thing, you know? So I think for me, like when I, when I get really moved by a story and where it really sticks in my mind is where like someone tells a story and I'm like, Oh my God, that's like, that's like my relationship with my parents, or that's like Mm -hmm. how I feel when, or how I felt when I was a teenager or, you know, like those specific moments that, that people um, communicate like that, that to me is what really, um, gets people emotionally invested and, and want to learn more. I think that's a good point. And it's like, if we just gave the history of migraines, mm-hmm. like the first migraine was diagnosed in 1938, right. it was like, I'm, I'm gone. And even if I don't experience migraines, if I have felt what the subject, you know, has felt, whether it's like, you know, people thought I was crazy, mm-hmm. right? Because, you know, I had migraines. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, could, I might be able to relate to that or somebody mm-hmm. could. And then now I'm a little more invested probably in, mm-hmm. in learning about migraines and mm-hmm. how else they might have shaped things in the world around us that I'm unaware of. But mm-hmm. yeah, just a history lesson or just, mm-hmm. just points can be tough to digest. Yeah. And I think one other thing, kind of a separate point that, that we feel really passionate about is like, if you're telling the story about somebody's experience, particularly if it's someone, you know, who has experienced oppression or, um, you know, uh, has been discriminated against or, or is in, um, you know, um, sort of a disinvested community, mm-hmm. that just telling that person's story is not enough for people to understand. Like, it's sort of like, um, I don't know, there's like a power difference, right? So it yeah. may be... Uh, it maybe elicits empathy, but not anything beyond that, right? Mm-hmm. So what one thing that we really feel like we strive to do is um, talk about whatever the sy- systemic things are that are contributing mm-hmm. to that person being in that situation or that community. So it's not just sort of like, there's also, I think a lot of times people think, oh, well, it's their fault or, you know, they contributed to their situation in some way. So we like to kind of, whenever we have a a personal story, if there is a systemic oppression or, you know, things that, that have contributed to that situation, like really having that be in there so people can understand the context that they're in and not just see their story for what it is and just be like, Oh, too bad for them. But it's like, no, they're in this situation because of, you know, systematic racism and, or, you know, things that are contributing to um, the context of that. I think that's such a great point, uh, and I totally know what you mean. And and if the story is is told the right way, it helps people connect the dots, right? Because mm-hmm. it's a it's a it's a narrative, right? It's not just a loose uh, collection of dots, me- meaning information. You're really tying together how they all are tied together. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a really good point, and I think you're a hundred percent right that it can e- be easy for people to be like, "Oh, that's you know, that's a shame they're mm-hmm. going through that," and not realize that, like, hey something you might have done yesterday could contribute a list a little bit to the overall system that therefore contributes to that situation. Mm-hmm. That is really powerful, actually. Great, great answer. I'm going to, I'm going to think about that for a while. Um, what advice do you have for, for people uh, n- nowadays, right? Like uh, I told you, I think this is before we started recording, like a lot of the people that I work with, I, I view as, 
what did I say? Uh, Under-resourced and overwhelmed, right? Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of people are content creators. Most brands are content creators of some sort uh, these days, or they want to be or know that they probably should be leveraging that. Um, so like to a small to medium business owner or a nonprofit or a solopreneur, personal brand uh, type that wanted to incorporate or leverage video storytelling in their strategies uh, more effectively, but not necessarily hire StoryMine or someone mm-hmm. like you all, where do, where do they start? Like, what would your suggestions be? I know that's a big question. We're, we won't be able to cover it all, right? Mm-hmm. But there's also, I know there's a lot of... Um, kind of limiting beliefs for people like, oh, I, I won't be able to do it well. I don't know what I'm doing with a camera or anything like that. Like if someone was set on it, how can people be better storytellers on video is, is the direct question. Hmm. Or with video, I guess, is a better way to say it. Yeah. Um, I guess one thing that I would start with is making a plan and thinking about, you know, one things that one of the things that we try to do sometimes with clients is like think about what are all the things that are happening this year and and not think like and and like maybe you've got an event happening in March and then you've got another you know thing happening in July and then another thing happening in September and think about okay uh, what kind of video would we want to show who's going to be at that event or do we want to film that event and then you know do a video about that event later like sort of have a plan for uh, like chunk it up. So it's not just like, I don't know, we could do anything, you know, it's just like, <laughs> yeah, think yeah, about yeah. like, help yourself narrow it down to specific things. And you mm-hmm. could even start with one and say, okay, we're going to, um, there's, we're going to s- do a video for this event. And these people are going to be there. These are the people that we really want to reach at that, that, that event. Okay. Now, uh, and then strategize about like, what kind of story would reach those people and then just do it kind of in chunks. And the other, the other thing I would say that we try to do is like, often um, people don't see the um, all of the things that are happening throughout the year as B-roll opportunities. And so let's say you think, oh, we're going to do an end of year video. That means you need to have your iPhone out or film at all these things, collect videos and pictures from, you know, people that, that are, you know, that are working for you or volunteers or yeah. whatever. It's like collect all that stuff, ask people to take pictures and then create your own archive of stuff. And that can be gold to someone like us who's coming in to do a video. It can be gold for you. It can be used for all sorts of things, but just like actively collecting your archive of, of footage, like is just really, really helpful in any kind of storytelling. I swear if like, that's the only tip that, you know, that resonates with people. I hope that they hear that. It's so, so good and so needed and so neglected and overlooked, mm-hmm. like just getting in the habit. And it is a habit that you have to establish of just, just mm-hmm. documenting, not necessarily totally. tied to the goal. I also love that you said like, we could use something like that. Mm-hmm. So even if it's not like I'm going to make these videos, documenting is still, is still crucial to, to help mm-hmm. fill in the gaps of the story. Um, so I think that is that's such a great little gem just just there in that in that one minute of of how people can can up their game and then as they go on they might see how these pieces can connect themselves mm-hmm. they can put it on social media yep. but just documenting it is is so crucial mm-hmm. um, as as things go on and I think people you know they totally overlook that There's, I can just I can think of plenty of 
examples and events from my own life, whether in a working capacity or personal, where like mm -hmm. something happened. I'm like, did you get any pictures or video? I'm like, oh, no, I didn't, you know, didn't have yep. my phone out. And it's like, look, in your personal life, I understand that we don't always want to be latched mm -hmm. onto this thing. Mm -hmm. But if it's your business, that's a that's a golden opportunity that is so easily overlooked. Yes. And, and you know, the the cool thing about that is like, I mean, I, and we really do think about it as like archival footage yeah. So, and you never know when it's going to be useful. So one right. example is we did a, a, a story for a big company in Durham and, you know, they're, they're huge now, but they were started by a family. And so when we did the story design session and we were talking about, we were like, okay, we want all, every photo that you've taken, like, and when it was like your family, like it was just the four of you and, you know, we want all that stuff. And they had these amazing videos that they had created when they had just started their business that they made like a Christmas video to send to all their family members of like, yeah. this is our office building. And let me show you, let me give you a tour of the office. And that's how we, and so we ended up doing a brand video for them. And that's how we started it with, was with their, like just for the family video that was like fun and goofy, but it just, it was like the perfect thing to, for their story. Hmm. Yeah. The, 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 I really love that we, that we landed here. That's so crucial and especially in the early days mm -hmm. um you know that is for anyone that's starting a business like document everything that you can because like that's the golden stuff where especially mm -hmm. when it's like a struggle right when it's hard mm -hmm. and like look at how far we've come you don't know when you'll be able to use this i you know i have um we we're kind of pre-launched but i've started to publicize it now i'm a co-founder of a new a new startup uh, here locally that's doing like family stories, like your parents and your grandparents' stories and turning them into films, into documentaries. Mm -hmm. And some of these that I'd done in the past that were kind of the, you know, the impetus behind this. Sometimes you're lucky and people like, they had a reel-to-reel -reel camera back in the day or totally. like, a, you know, Sony and they're filming. And when you have that as the filmmaker, as a storyteller, mm -hmm. it's golden. You yep. know, I mean, not everybody does. So mm -hmm. we have to be able to do our job with or without it. But it, like mm -hmm. when you have it, I'm like, oh, my gosh, not only are we, see, you know, seeing your kids in 1975, you know, mm -hmm. it's just per perfect. So I think that's such a great tip for brands is like just document, document everything. You never mm -hmm. know how you're going to use it. Um, mm -hmm. What is uh, let's go back to, you know, your brand and your business. I know that you you, you told me like uh, during the pandemic and you knew this was kind of uh, coming, you're kind of experienced a little bit of growth in terms mm -hmm. of like, all right, we can't go out and be shooting everything. Mm -hmm. um, are there any, like, what's coming down the pipeline? Are there any new big plans or new big projects you're excited about? I know, you know, I still feel like we're kind of in early 2023, but we're not. It's like May now. I so know. It's halfway through. But so we can look into 2023 and 2024. But is there anything that you're like really stoked about uh, com com coming down the pipeline? Yeah, I mean, so... Um... Last year and this year, we've been doing um, a big collaboration with the New England Journal of Medicine. And so they have um, some funding from uh, YouTube to do um, right. to be sort of a trusted source gotcha. of, of video content. And they hadn't done it before. And so last year was sort of a trial period of like, what's it what's it going to be like? You know, mm -hmm. New England Journal, who's you know been around for 200 years, but haven't really um done any video content they've done they do some like animated explainer videos but this is sort of a new thing for them yeah. so so we are working with them all year round um on on a variety of projects so um it's like perfect for us because it's like complicated um you know we have to learn a ton i know like a, a 
a ton about random diseases that like people are like, are you a doctor? I'm like, no, actually I'm, I'm just a storyteller, but I like to like, you know, to really get into it. So, um, so that's mostly what we're doing this year. We have some other projects um, with previous clients that, that we're doing, but that's our main focus right now. That is, that's really exciting. What's, what's been any challenges with that? Uh, or I'm sure there's been several, but uh, with that group of people or that, uh, that organization or this approach, this new approach? Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest challenge is they're huge topics. Like, you know, like right now I'm doing like type two diabetes, which is just like massive. So it's the biggest problem is narrowing it down. And we always think we're going to do a six minute video and it ends up being 16 minutes, you know, there's just like, (laughs) even after we cut, 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 cut. So that's the biggest one I think is just like figuring out, okay, we can't tell absolutely everything about this. What does our audience need to know? Um, about it and what can we teach them and and you know also like paired with the stories you know and like yeah. what can we teach them about the patient experience and so bringing that in so um yeah that's the biggest challenge i would say one of the one of my favorite things about this type of work is you know i i get to be fully immersed in some in a different you know culture or industry or whatever for each each project and what made me think of this is you know, I have a specific client in, in the healthcare industry in a rare cancer specifically. It's a rare cancer foundation. Mm-hmm. So, and I've been working with them for over a decade. And so like the things that I know about this very rare cancer mm-hmm. is, is more, and this may sound pretentious or boastful, but like is more than your general like PCP mm-hmm. because they may have heard the word in, in med school, but never revisited it. Right. Mm-hmm. And I've been immersed in it. So that's really cool for me and, and, and mm-hmm. other cultures that I get to dive in and learn so much. And you come out like at least a quasi expert or at mm-hmm. least knowledgeable mm-hmm. uh do you is do you f- have a similar feeling like uh is that something that kind of drives you in this is like yeah i get these re- like deep dives again we're back at that same expression into these mm-hmm. certain specific worlds mm-hmm. yeah and that's what i absolutely love about it because i i feel like i well and a lot of them you know with healthcare, not necessarily with the with rare diseases but mm-hmm. a lot of them you know touch everybody really um yeah. and totally. it's sort of like a specific you know, there's, there's that same like specific and broad thing too, even if it is a rare disease, um, you know, the way the healthcare system works, and I'm sure I could imagine that the people who have that disease, their experience is so similar to other people with other rare diseases, where it's like, it's a full-time job to navigate the healthcare system and to explain your experience and get people to understand it. And so there's the universal and the, and the specific within each one of those, which I just find endlessly fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, I appreciate you coming on so much. I'm excited to see, I mean, th- first of all, that's an awesome project that, that you have, but I'm also excited to dive a little bit deeper into, uh, Look, here we are again. We keep saying that uh, into, into the work, right? Into the work that you and Catherine have done. It's uh, again, I'm kind of uh, surprised that we haven't met already, but it's been mm-hmm. a real pleasure talking to you, and I'm excited to see the work that you do. Yeah, well, thank you so much. It's been an, an honor and a pleasure. Absolutely, appreciate you. All right, take care. My name is Rain Bennett. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed that episode, do us a favor and subscribe to the podcast. If you're already a subscriber and you're enjoying the show, give us a review and let us know the value that you've gotten from it. We love to hear from our listeners and learn about the benefits that they're getting from the show. That's what fuels us and that's what fuels the show. 
And if you've already subscribed and you've already reviewed it and you think there's someone else that would benefit from listening to this show, please, please share it with them. The more we grow, the more we can help you grow, and that's what we're here to do. Join us next time on the Storytelling Lab. This podcast is a Six Second Stories production. Six Second Stories is a story coaching and consulting company that builds online education, in-person and virtual training, and digital products that help businesses master storytelling to find their ideal customers and market to them effectively. You can learn more. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market at sixsecondstories.com and purchase the book Six Second Stories at Amazon, barnesandnoble.com or rainbennett.com slash sixsecondstories. Stories.